Into the Apex podcast is going on the road. Giving you the energy of motorsport from the source. We'll be trackside for the GT World Challenge, IMSA, and the NTT IndyCar Series. At Mid-Ohio, VIR, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Petit Le Mans, and the historic 60th running of the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona. Pit now, pit now. Visit IntoTheApex.com for the latest dates and locations. The world of real and virtual auto sport meets. Mad Sim Racing Media presents the Into the Apex podcast. And it's Into the Apex with Tyler and Bradley, and we're joined by two special guests tonight on the show, uh, Josh Martin and David Perel. Uh, David, from uh, he drives the Spirit of Race Ferrari in the European Le Mans Series. Uh, and is the owner of Coach Dave Academy and the Sim Grid. Josh Martin is a sim racer in his own right, affiliated with Thrustmaster and uh, a staff member of the Sim Grid and Coach Dave Academy. And uh, we're really excited tonight to uh, spread the word and share uh, a new presence in iRacing for Coach Dave Academy specifically. And uh, we're going to talk quite a bit about that. Uh, but thank you both for uh, joining us on Into the Apex. Guys, thank, thank you so, so much guys. for having us on. <laughs> Absolutely. We're glad, glad we could talk with you. And uh, I want to start with a, uh, and read a tweet to our audience uh, for those. And I think a lot of sim racers are familiar with David and his projects uh, as well as his career. But if you're not, uh, I'm going to start with a, uh, the tweet that is pinned on your Twitter at the very top from 2018. I love this quote uh, that you wrote. It says, simulators are for racing drivers, what treadmills are for runners. It's not quite the real thing, but you're still running. I absolutely love that that line, uh, and I think it speaks to your experience and time and, and appreciation for both the sim uh, and its limitations, but also its benefits and how that kind of affects your real racing career uh, in GT and, and European Le Mans. Uh, absolutely. I mean, the well, for those who know me, I grew up, um, I did karting when I was younger, but I wasn't able to get to the track often enough. So I was using at the time, um, I think Gran Turismo two or three to learn how to drive essentially. Uh, back then I was using the remote, but you, even with the remote, you still have to take racing lines. You have to learn when to get on the throttle and so on. Mm-hmm. And, um, people used to tease me for using, uh, at the time racing games to mm-hmm. become a faster racing driver. Um, so it always kind of bugged me. I was always sort of saying well why why can't you see what i can see here which is it's clear that you know you can learn something from the simulator world and bring it to the real world so that's sort of where that that quote was brewing in my mind for i think mm. 15 years before i actually put it on twitter yeah it, it really hits home i mean there's a lot of i mean the sim racing world had some wrath for a particular hypercar uh, owner yes. that, that tweeted out some critical comments in his own right. Uh, he faced the wrath of the sim racing community. Uh, but this, I feel like this quote was the antithesis to that. Um, yeah. And watching some of the videos that you have on YouTube, on your channel, uh, break you, you literally break down the benefits that you've had in, in your actual driving from the sim, whether it's the racecraft, 
Uh, I know you've mentioned the emotions that are involved that, that translate yes. very well and things like that. Yeah. If anything, I think that, excuse me, the, uh, the biggest benefit, well, no, no, let me state it like this. Um, the biggest realization I had was that you could understand how to manage your emotions by using the simulator, which would benefit you more in real life, because in real life, mm -hmm. we, our senses are being attacked by, you know, fear, adrenaline, the sound, um, the sensations that you're getting from the car that you don't really have that much time to focus on how you're actually feeling emotionally as a driver mm. and how you react and behave when you are emotional because it's a highly stressed environment. You, your, your, your body does try its best to normalize it, but it's still a highly stressed envir environment. And when you take away all the attacks on your senses from the noise and the vibrations and so on, um, and you're just focusing on your heart rate and how you feel because you're sitting in, in a quiet room with headphones on and just doing some sim racing. Um, it was a pretty profound moment where I was like, oh, I can tune, I can tune my emotions in the sim and then try and mimic that when I'm back in the car in real life. And it really helped in many ways for me to make less irrational decisions while in the car, be a bit more calmer have less contact and so on because I was able to simulate those emotions at home and practice being in them um, on the sim. And I mean, a, a big, big part of that was actually live streaming the stuff because I feel much more pressure when people are watching me drive and criticizing me from the, <laughs> you know, from the peanut gallery. Um, yeah. And that's, that sort of gave me a sensation of, Oh, you know what? I've been in this, I've been in this place in, in the real car before, but instead of taking one step back, I went for the lunge and it didn't end up going my way. Um, so what happens if I do it differently in the sim? Can I maybe take that to the real world? And there was a clear improvement in my driving when I came to that realization. So now when, when real racing drivers come to me and ask, you know, why do you play, why do you use the sim? You know, I, I tell them it's not to learn the racetracks because the way that we drive around a racetrack in real life is very different to how we drive it in a simulator. And, you know, you use different reference points and so on, but how you mm -hmm. feel emotionally in a qualifying lap or in a big battle in a sim is actually very similar to how you would feel in real life if you were paying attention to that. Um, and that's kind of where I've managed to convert some of my real racing friends to understanding the benefits of, of the simulator. Yeah. I think that's an outstanding take and, and very insightful. And I think that those feelings uh that's what kind of keeps many of us that only know it through the sim yeah uh, addicted to the sim we keep coming back I, i've said on this show before uh so bradley and i have been sim racing since around 2010 through various uh, services over the years and there there were times especially early when i uh, was getting into it for the first time and experiencing it for the first time with the force feedback wheel very basic setup uh, i would be competing for a win and i would find that my my leg was trembling and I'm yes. just sitting at a, I'm just sitting at a desk and it's, I'm not feeling all of the physical, physical effects, but I'm feeling that adrenaline rush, that competitiveness. Oh, yeah. most, most definitely. Yeah. And, and Bradley, I know you were curious about the, uh, the use of sim racing to prepare for uh, an actual race, say in European Le Mans. Yeah, no, I know. I, I watched a, a video where you had mentioned uh, being in a particular situation at a track that you'd never been in, in in real life, but through your experience in the sim, you actually could see that that incident coming and could react to it just based on that experience. And that's 
that's something that as a lot of sim racers and you've probably heard or seen people talk about there's kind of like that moment of bravado where it's like oh if i could do the sim racing i could do it in real life and i know there's there's a, a wide gap there um that's that's a broad statement that a lot of sim racers will puff out their chest and say but it's interesting just to see even a small amount of benefit like that yeah for sure i mean at the end of the day i think I, I don't know if Jimmy Broadbent coined the phrase, but I heard it from him first where he said, <laughs> you know, the, and I'm, I'm butchering it a little bit, but the, <laughs> the cars may not be real. The tracks may not be real. You, you may be playing a game, but you're still racing against someone. The racing yeah. is still real. And um, that's another major factor with, which I would get criticized for in real life. You know, what, what are you learning when you race against people online? It's like, well, it's still human inputs, which affect the yeah. movement of that car it's human instinct and human nature and that human nature is the same thing that we experience on a racetrack not everyone is incredibly experienced on a track and just because you call yourself a racing driver doesn't mean you're lewis hamilton or max verstappen <laughs> um, and that move that i know which move you're speaking about um it's it was in a video where i was racing around paul ricard and it was at the start and i think we were approaching turn three and um i saw I, I don't know why it was it was muscle memory developed from racing online in Gran Turismo and, and iRacing. I'm like, a crash is going to happen here. These guys, the movements of the cars, everyone's very excited. I'm like, screw that. I'm going to the outside. <laughs> and if something happens, I can go straight. And it and it did happen. Um, mm -hmm. And that was from, from sim racing. And it wasn't from my karting experience. I did spend about uh, six or seven years kart racing at and got to a reasonably high level but that that moment specifically came from what i'd seen in sim racing i'm like someone's <laughs> going to send it down the inside here and it's yeah. not going to work <laughs> yeah that's see that's that's the cool thing that i mean i i think tyler i think you probably understand what i'm saying i i've struggled to put it into words sometimes but there's you get that sense from especially i racing guys um they come at at sim racing with that mentality of you know i I, if I can do it here, I could do it in real life. And in some cases that's true. And it's even a small sliver of validation to that for our <laughs> listeners is probably, uh, probably, yeah. it's just cool. I mean, that's the I, I, well, I, I think there's, I think that insight, I mean, you're out of anybody that, that races, I mean, obviously over, especially over 2020 in the pandemic, uh, a lot of, of real drivers relied on sim racing. And of course the, the iRacing series, the virtual uh, 24 Le Mans and so on. Uh, it was, I think a lot of people were on there already, but even more joined virtual racing over that year. And, uh, and yeah, getting that insight uh, out of all of those people, your insight, uh, is the most valuable, valuable to me, uh, whether it's on Twitter, on YouTube, uh, I've always just found it the, the most insightful, the most articulate and uh, the most that I appreciate. That's, that's why I start with, uh, that tweet, uh, that you have pinned because that's just one example of uh, the insight that you've given of comparing the two as somebody that's driven very well in each, I must say. Thank you guys. I appreciate that. I mean, we're always seeking some form of validation in our lives. And I really, honestly, when I was younger, um, before sim racing was considered of any value for the real world, um, I was craving so, some level of validation that, you know, I, I was doing both. And 2020 was a revelation for me. It was it allowed me the space or the opportunity to build Coach Dave Academy um, 
and the sim grid as well with the sim grid being a much longer dream of mine than coach dave coach dave mm-hmm. you can ask josh it kind of just we stumbled into that one uh, <laughs> but to, to have people appreciate my opinion about the crossovers and stuff it really does mean a lot to me yeah i understand that charles leclerc and, and different drivers over 2020 actually reached out to you for some advice I cannot tell you how surreal that stuff was, guys. I seriously, <laughs> it's like unbelievable when you see your phone ringing and it's Charles Leclerc, and he's like, "Dave, I, I need. I'm like, I'm about to go into a Gran Turismo race. I need help. How do I drive in this game?" It's, what? <laughs> you cannot be serious. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was that was the nature of the year. There was exactly. a. I think you. I think you described it in in something else. A, a bubble. A sim racing bubble. Uh, yes. And we all saw it. I mean, here in the United States, uh, a major network television channel in the United States uh, aired the NASCAR version. NBC Sports in the United States aired wow. the uh, aired the IndyCar Invitational and the IMSA Invitational. The IndyCar being very famous for Simon Paginal taking out Lando Norris. Yeah. Because Indi- IndyCar can't have a Formula One driver come in and show them up. Yeah. In the virtual world. <laughs> That's uh, incredible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was massive. It was it was very highly rated uh, in April uh, of the the beginning of the pandemic, and for United States television, uh, and and all of us we watched that. Uh, we were glued to it. It was appointment television for all of us here. Uh, but it was just it was something that got I think a lot of people's attention, and I think there's a wave for sim racing since then. I mean, a lot of people got into it. Uh, I think. All of us just, yeah, it, it got us through a, a particular period of time and, and mm. really made it more popular. Absolutely. I mean, I, I got to be honest, the most surreal experience for me, probably in my life so far, has been wearing official Ferrari gear inside a Ferrari <laughs> museum in Maranello, racing oh, wow. the virtual Lamar. Oh, wow. And it's like, what? what? How is this even? <laughs> how did this happen? How did this happen? You know, just two years ago, people were laughing at me for using a simulator as uh, as a tool to improve as a driver. And here I'm sitting in the Ferrari. I mean, the factory's right next door. <laughs> yeah. And we're doing a virtual Lamar. This cannot be. It's just unbelievable wow. scenes last year. Unbelievable scenes. Yeah. I mean, it was keeping everything afloat and going and, yeah. and keeping it alive. And I think... Uh, the best way to put it is is motorsport uh, had that benefit because exactly uh, i wasn't watching uh fifa or in the united states nfl or madden these different uh, sims or games sim racing was it had that adrenaline even as a spectator when you're watching your favorite indycar driver or imza driver or f1 driver in these broadcast invitationals i mean that had had some fire behind it as far as the audience i felt yeah, I mean, th- what we had last year and the reason why sim racing quite literally exploded onto the scene is because you had an entire industry who had nothing to do, the motorsport, the real life motorsport industry. Mm-hmm. But it was yeah. everything from engineers, drivers, managers, um, and most importantly, uh, TV stations and news websites, which were reporting on motorsport. They had nowhere to go. They had nothing to do. But all of a sudden, they saw that some of the drivers were getting involved in something that looked kind of like racing. And you had suddenly the the sort of 
mainstream motorsport media, they had no choice but to cover the sim racing stuff, which <laughs> yeah. resulted in that that massive explosion in, in awareness um, of our industry. So, and then over, and then over this bad. time, Coach Dave Academy comes along, and uh, it's it began with a set of Corsa, if I'm correct. Yes. And admittedly, Bradley and I are the least knowledgeable about that. <laughs> uh, we are we are certainly iRacing. We started with iRacing, what, in 2010, Bradley? And I, quite frankly, I don't have anything against any other sim, uh, but I, I think if I became, if I tried another sim and loved it and, and became obsessed with it, I wouldn't have enough time in the day to, to do any of it, mm. <laughs> is what I think it comes down to. Um, exactly. But the exciting thing for us here, specifically, I think it's unique to this show because we focus so much on iRacing in the sim world, is that uh, you have expanded into iRacing recently as far as setups and data and things of that nature. And that's that's what's truly exciting for us uh, as far as the sim side of, of your ventures. Yeah, so I can tell you a little bit of uh, background is that when, when everything sort of kicked off, like uh, for, for Coach Dave's setups back, you know, last the beginning of last year, I I was directly inspired by. There was two elements in the industry that sort of got me uh, paying attention to producing setups. The first was, it's no secret that I'm a big Gran Turismo fan, and in Gran Turismo, it's fixed setups. So you just adapt your driving style when you race online. You can't modify the settings and so on. So they sort of do that to level the playing field. Um, and just because of my sort of real life schedule, I didn't really have time to work on setups in real simulators in ACC and in iRacing. And I saw how popular um, some of the iRacing setup shops were and wondered why none of them had done anything in ACC. Now, mm. I in some way had made some contributions to the development of ACC, um, like with the sound stuff, some of the track mm. modeling, I, I helped them and especially with the Ferrari in the game, I um, shared a lot of our dashboard uh, interface and how the car handled and so on. So that's kind of, I transitioned more from Gran Turismo to ACC. I've always played iRacing, but I was obviously gravitating a bit more to ACC because I was in the game. So I thought to myself, okay, well, if no one else is going to do setups, um, why don't I try effectively? But it wasn't just going to be me. Um, I knew someone from the ACC world who was a very good driver called James Parker. And I said to James, I will build the website because I, I personally come from a tech background. Um, can you develop setups? You have a much better reputation in the game than I do. He's much faster than me in the game. Oh, excuse me, the sim. Um, <laughs> so let's let's start to make some setups. And we, we were toying with the idea between, before COVID actually, from like early January, but when March hit and lockdown happened, I said, well, there's no better time. Let's launch everything now. And it sort of took off um, really well. And we focused purely on ACC. I said, I don't want to focus on, I, bef before we look at any other games, um, we need to effectively dominate this niche, give all of our attention to this niche and to this audience. And it, it really did pay off for us in a, in a great way because um, the Coach Dave Academy was able to employ people from the sim racing world. Josh Martin, who's on this podcast, is one of those people. Um, Josh has become a phenomenal business development manager for us. He's a sim racer himself. In fact, everyone at Coach Dave and at SimGrid is a sim racer. It's like a 
requirement to join the company. Um, <laughs> and it was born out of these ACC setups. But I always knew that just focusing on one game, uh, it, that's not a sustainable business because you're at the mercy of that developer. Now, we have a very good relationship with Kunos, but I always felt like we would always need to look somewhere else and just kind of, you know, it, it helps us as well as the community if we have more than one game that we can focus on, we can bounce around a bit with the content and so on and, and develop a, a much bigger brand. So we were looking at not just iRacing, um, we spent about three or four months looking at AMS2, iRacing and R-Factor2. Um, starting actually with AMS2, because I wanted to look at a game that was also unattended to, but thank God we didn't do anything there because we did work on some setups and then they released a, a physics update so big that uh-huh. even the, the way you did setups changed. So we would have had to have started from zero. And with R-Factor2, sometimes you can hack the setups a bit too much um, and you effectively exploit the game a bit to achieve fast lap times. And to me, that's that's no good either. Um, I want I wanted our setups to be based on fundamentals of engineering, so that you know, if physics do change or get adjusted, well, the game developers are always trying to make a game that sticks to fundamentals in the best way possible. So if we make setups which aren't hacky, then they'll still work in the game when it changes. Um, and iRacing ticked all those boxes, and I've always. I have been critical of iRacing in um, publicly. You know, I've always said, for example, that the Ferrari in the game doesn't feel like the Ferrari in real life. But I always find myself going back there to race the F3. I love the Mazdas. And whenever I'm having fun with my mates on Discord and we're not streaming or anything, it's usually in the Aussie V8s in iRacing. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, please, please, please. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember the interview it was, but you were made, you were talking about the business model of iRacing, and it was an excellent point. And I will also add, uh, I can't remember what uh, that. It's been a bit uh, since I heard that, but it was it it really uh, was insightful to me. And uh, I, and to add to your point about the feel of the car, I believe it was one of the things that you mentioned about iRacing. Uh, we were in Indianapolis uh, in early August and sp- and had a couple drinks and spoke with Spencer Pompelli. Uh, who drives an IMSA and uh, GT America, and he was telling us the same thing that yeah. uh, just the tire the tires don't feel quite right or the yeah. same in i racing. So that's something that uh, I've appreciated from people that have actually driven the cars. That's a common uh, thing that I've heard. So, yeah, the the business model of i racing to me is the best in the sim world because they are incentivized to release new content to continually improve the game because they have a subscription model. You know, that their players are subscribing to a game that needs to evolve. Whereas if you do a one-off purchase, well, where's the incentive to release new content? The person's already bought everything. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm not a big fan of free updates, for example. Now, I mean, it's funny because the ACC world and the iRacing world are very different on that topic. People play ACC because they hate subscription models, for example. Mm. Um, but I, I really like that business model for the longevity. I mean, iRacing is going to be around for as long as they have subscribers, you know, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, whereas we all know, because they've told us, 
ACC is reaching the end of life, and now look, they're now looking at developing a whole new game called AC2. So, you know, what happens to all those ACC players? They're going to disperse, or they're going to—they're not automatically going to flock to AC2. Um, so that's an interesting—it's just an interesting um, business dynamic which I've always sort of paid attention to, and people. Even though I back ACC a lot, I've always said, guys, the business model here is wrong in, for, for the benefit of us as players, because at some point they're going to want to do the next thing, the new game, and it's going to be at the cost of us um, experiencing a lack of development on the game that we love. Um, I really like also how iRacing does online stuff, which at the SimGrid we've tried to improve in ACC. So. You know, ACC, the developers, they don't really focus on the online elements. So it was SimGrid and also with the help of Josh, where we developed um, a daily racing platform. We now help manage the the official ESRO series. It's our people in the background who are managing the online races and so on. Um, but iRacing all, has all of that built in with one click. And for us as a setup shop, um, their business model just made sense. It made sense for us to start to look at it. Now, don't get me wrong. When we went into ACC, there was nobody. So it was very easy for us to develop a brand and so on. When we go to iRacing, there's some incredible setup shops, um, you know, VRS being one of them. So we are the new kids on the block. We have to prove ourselves 100%. You know, we can't arrive in iRacing and assume that we know everything because we don't. Um, I have tried my best for us to get a sort of, I wouldn't say head start, but a good rolling start mm -hmm. in that the people who do our iRacing setups are iRacing specialists. You know, they're very much the same approach we had with ACC. The guys who do our ACC setups are the best I could find in ACC. And the guys who do our iRacing setups are the best I could find um, in iRacing. So it's going to be a long road for us to prove ourselves in iRacing, but I'm super excited about that I, I think that's a very key thing for folks that are in iRacing to hear uh, and I was talking with Josh will bring you into this I was talking with you just before we went live and uh, I actually will will say uh, for you guys and for our listeners uh, I may be uh, one of the early subscribers to the Coach Dave Academy iRacing setup subscription package because I did subscribe to uh, and for those that subscribe to many of the iRacing options out there uh, there is a monthly subscription option, which is pretty common and is actually very, I think it's a good bargain because each week we're always looking for setups on iRacing as the schedule changes. And uh, so I subscribe to the option of uh, $9.99 American a month, which is very competitive with with any service out there. Uh, I, I joined that last week. Uh, I am a current uh, Coach Dave Academy iRacing setup subscriber. And uh, uh, what we're doing, we have an Into the Apex Lamborghini that we're going to prepare and run uh, with some co-drivers for the iRacing Petite Le Mans coming up on October 2nd, I believe. Yes. And uh, we've even got a decal for Coach Dave Academy in, in uh, representation of that. We're going to run a Coach Dave setup for that. And to prepare, I was running the iRacing VRS series, uh, sprint series, which is a 40-minute open setup uh, GT3 car competition. And uh, is that I, the series titled by the competitor? That would be correct, Bradley. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> I 
say. That's what that's that's <laughs> what it is. Now I was not running a VRS setup, Bradley, mind you. Uh, <laughs> I will, and let me and let me tell you this. I think this will speak for itself uh, because I'm I am no uh, Porsche Sports Cup driver myself. Uh, I put time in, but uh, so I was driving the Lamborghini and I was focused on the Lamborghini setup from Coach Dave Academy. And uh, I did not qualify. Anybody who listens to us knows that Bradley and I are nervous qualifiers. We like to start in the back and hope for the best rather than start in the front and assume the worst. So I started in 21st, 22nd in a 40-minute open setup race, and I finished P6. And uh, over 40 minutes, I kept clawing my way up. Road Atlanta is historically a track where I, I love it, but I tend to be unstable. I tend to push it too hard and spin. Uh, and, and with that setup, I was pushing it, pushing it, overtaking. And obviously, I, I went from P22 to P6 without any spin, any incident. And that's actually rare for me at Road Atlanta. I have to be honest. I tend to be uh, somebody that pushes too hard and, and it, it bites me. Uh, so that was my first race with the Coach Dave iRacing setup. And that was what happened for me. So uh, I'm not going to, I'll give myself a little credit as the sim driver, but I'm going to have to give the setup some credit because that was uh, a memorable run, a memorable session for me in the sim. So uh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's my feedback. I, I'm going to maintain my subscription after that. <laughs> That's I think, absolutely um, you know, Tyler, it brilliant. speaks to a, a really strong point of, you know, why we kind of built this set of subscription model and why when David first came out, you know, with the Coach Dave Academy idea, why I was so drawn to it, right, is that um, over lockdown, as we kind of, you know, alluded to, people have picked up sims for the first time. They've got involved because they enjoy sim racing. Um, and the fact that someone has a couple of hundred hours over you because they know the nuances of the game is bad enough. So to then have to interject a setup model on top of that, you know, it really puts you on the back foot. And by having this, you know, subscription model that gives you access to essentially, you know, every setup that we'll create within the pack, you know, you'll get the fixed setup data, data packs as well. Uh, it really helps level the playing field. And for the guy who's only got a couple of hours a week to, to train and practice, they can also be competitive. Um, so it's really great to hear that you're getting that, that positive output from it. And I think for anyone who's kind of considering getting on board with the subscription, it's a great testament of how it can work. Yeah, I think the value of that is is great. Uh, for the, I mean, each week we're, you know, anybody, especially road racers, and that's where this focus is. Uh, I yeah. think you're going to be a road racer here. Um, all of us that love the road racing and, and iRacing specifically to speak to iRacing, uh, there are so many different options. And in my case, I think it's for many people in iRacing, they, they continually release new content, new cars, uh, particularly GT3 cars lately. Um, so not only do I want to race Road Atlanta uh, at the track, but I want to race it in the Lamborghini, and then I want to switch to the Porsche, and then I want to switch to the BMW. Uh, I've spent all of this money for content with iRacing's business model. I want to get a little bit of my money's worth out of each uh, a mm. few of the cars at the same track. So then with this subscription, you're able to access a setup for at this point many of those cars especially in gt3 class uh it, it's just an excellent uh, the value is just amazing for me it's not something that that turns me off at all so i i think the monthly subscription for a setup in iRacing that is a very popular format at this point for for drivers that are very dedicated to the sim you know what's interesting is um just talking about the different cultures of acc versus iRacing is we've had ACC players who have moved over to iRacing. You know, we have a pretty big, um, uh, what would you say, m member base in our, in our Discord. And the same player who plays in ACC 
and then he crosses over to iRacing. He doesn't want to subscribe to our package for setups in iRacing. He'd rather buy the bundles. We have a few of those because of the culture that they have developed in the one-off purchases through ACC. Um, it's just interesting that even the same player, when they look at a different game, they have a different feeling about how they're willing to spend their money. That, that's interesting. Yeah, I did yeah. Uh, because I, I don't know the ACC culture. That's actually new to me, and that's actually fascinating. Um, yeah, in ACC, people are used to paying. Um, they buy the game, and then every, I think, Josh, is it every, let's say, six months or maybe even every quarter, Kunos will release an update for $10, and they'll just buy that update. They won't. Oh. But if you mention to them a subscription model, they'd be like, hell no. <laughs> it's <laughs> so really interesting yeah that is something yeah um but again you know the i think that the main thing with setups for me was more about how it can save you time because if you let's say you get home from work and you only have two hours to to get on the sim and the two hours could actually be a lot of time to be honest maybe you only have an hour um that's enough for maybe one seasonal race or one daily race depending on the game you're playing and maybe two and you don't really have the time to refine a setup especially on content that's changing every week so and also for me as well i've gotten lost in setups and made cars that feel worse as opposed to feeling better so i always like the idea that i could Okay, in the case of Gran Turismo, fixed setup. And I actually love one of my favorite series in iRacing is actually Ferrari fixed um, because <laughs> I don't have to touch anything. Right. But at least if, if you can just download a setup that has been developed by, and at least in our case, um, all our setups are developed by a pro sim racer or a professional real racing driver with iRacing experience um, and a professional, a real-life engineer. Um, we, we don't just have one driver who just um, cherry-picks settings for the car that suits his style. We have an engineer in there who, who actually does data and everything, and we dedicate hours to each track and so on. So when you do install the setup, like it's it's a good baseline. You don't have to spend an hour on the setup and then go and do your daily race. You can maybe get two daily races in instead of just one. Um, and that was always, for me, even with ACC, that was the, the main draw of why someone would start with a setup that they bought online. Yeah, that's that kind of nails it on the head for me because as someone that were if you work an eight to five job and you're you're essentially your hobby or your enthusiast of sim racing i mean you get home you do what you need to do and you you may only have that amount of time to race and like tyler said if you want to kind of jump around tracks with i racing there's so many different series maybe you want to touch on two or three of those a night you certainly don't have time to to get into setup building i know i certainly don't tyler i know you don't either um, so this kind of service is almost essential to be competitive or at least just have some enjoyment in the sim outside of just running, you know, baseline setups. Well, I'll add just uh, a piece of immersion, too, because uh, especially for in iRacing, the endurance team racing, I think people get uh, I know we get into that just as a as a sense of simulating actual endurance racing, just wishing mm. we could. Uh, but just the thought of. Uh, like you say, it's it's engine. There are engineers, the time and work that go into these setups, uh, and, and people with an actual uh, knowledge and profession into designing these things uh, more than the layman. Um, so going into Petit Le Mans, for example, driving this this Lamborghini, uh, 
there's almost a sense of immersion. It's part of simulating the entire experience that we're driving a car with powered by Coach Dave Academy Engineering. Just just that. I mean, as a sim, <laughs> as a simulation, it may sound silly to some, but that's how I, I look at it. No, it I, gets me more definitely. excited for the event uh, to, to have that kind of, of engineering in the car and to see what I as a sim driver can do. It's, it's almost like a battle of manufacturers. Between, yeah, that's right. Know, between, between VRS and, right, and all the different services you want to you, you pick your loyalty and uh, and go for the best result you can. And I think it it's a fascinating part of uh, the competitiveness of setup shops in iRacing and then teams that are trying to make their way in endurance because uh, the more endurance races we do, the more we see familiar teams and you, mm. you start to build relationships and rivalries and things like that. And you, you really get, you feel immersed in the endurance racing uh, aspect of it uh, as best as a person can, that that probably won't get to the real version of that. Uh, it's, it's part of, I think what keeps everyone coming back. Well, I think that race sim racing now is, is strong enough to stand on its own way. Right. You know, we don't necessarily need to, um, concern ourselves with crossing over to, to the real thing because the sim racing world is becoming so much more competitive. The stakes are being raised. I mean, I think that the biggest issue we had last year and the reason why Simon Pagano could take out Lando Norris in that Indy (laughs) card was because nothing was at stake. You know, can you imagine if there was, I don't know, a million dollar prize money for that race? And I mean, Pagano would be banned, not just from the sim racing, (laughs) his, his racing license would be taken away, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm really hopeful that we can get to a point in sim racing where the stakes are high enough that it's taken with the utmost seriousness at the highest level. But then for people like us, because I I don't intend in racing at the highest level in sim racing, but I do enjoy my hour every day or so every day, Mm. every odd day. Um, we can at least aspire to be in those positions, you know, and not every real racing driver can actually compete in a sim. They're not that good in sim racing. It's a different, it's a different discipline, which requires its own, which requires respect from, from the real world, in my opinion. And we still haven't quite got there yet. You know, people think that the real racing drivers are better than the sim races, but I would argue differently when it comes to sim racing, real racing drivers are for the most part, far away from even what an average sim racer can do. Josh, I'll let you come in if you have a, a thought on that as well. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, just to bounce off the back of what David was saying, um, you know, I've been fortunate enough, I've been involved in sim racing for the past five or six years, and I'm sure Brad and Tyler, you guys have probably seen the same. The scene has matured. Um, if you look at the teams that were competing four or five years ago at the, the top level of iRacing versus now, uh, the way that sim racers and the teams themselves carry themselves, I think positions the, the industry to really kind of grow from strength to strength and you know you're alluding to the kind of manufacturer-esque battles between setup shops i think it for your typical sim racer that's like the ideal situation right because you're now spoiled for choice and it's no longer trying to decipher you know cryptic code about how to build a setup so hopefully as we kind of see off the back of lockdown with this new bubble and the new introduction of, of players is that really the the real drivers will come in and be able to learn from the sim racers we often look at sim racers who have gone into real world stuff like jimmy or, or james baldwin and they've done exceptionally well but we need to soon sort of look towards sim racers and you know if you look at gregor hutu or or Kronke, you know these are guys that have really established the history for i racing at least and can leave a long-term impact yeah seeing the red bull esports with sebastian job and and mm. just seeing seeing the 
the reach of that. I mean, that's its own thing within Williams, uh, Red Bull, and, and so on. That that's something I love to see. I think that um, with the new virtual Lamar series, um, we're going to see some epic racing. Um, I'm happy that in the virtual Lamar, for example, they have these four or five rounds before the actual Lamar finale in January. Um, and in in these four or five rounds, which are four-hour races, the first ones this weekend in Monza, virtual Monza, um, there's, there's two sim racing drivers to every real pro driver. So it's a team of three, but you have to have two sim drivers versus one pro driver. And I think... I think that's what we need to see. I, you know, I want, I want the sim races to get more of the limelight than the real races when we're playing mm-hmm. sim racing. And um, last year it was it was two sim drivers to two pro drivers per car, so it kind of split the balance. But this year, I think, or it's at least for this version of the championship, we're starting to see more respect being paid to the sim races, and. If you speak to any real racing driver who is preparing for these virtual events and they're preparing with the, the aliens of the sim world, they literally say like, holy crap, these guys are so <laughs> fast in the sim and we yeah. cannot get close to them and we don't know why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, and speak, and, and there were two things, and as far as real racing, uh, you mentioned the virtual Lama. There were two things while we have time with you that I definitely wanted to ask you. Sure. Uh, and w- number one was uh, the dream come true, getting to start in the 24 hours of Le Mans this year. Uh, I don't know if it's possible to to sum that up in a certain sense, but <laughs> what would you say about that experience to be there and to be a competitor? Um, it was very emotional, i got to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I was driving, I drove to the event from London, UK, where I live. I think it's a seven hour drive or something. And the whole way there, I was just balling up with emotion because it's been such a long road to try get to Le Mans. Very difficult because I could never, like most of us, I could never afford to actually pay to be at Le Mans. I couldn't buy a seat. So I had to somehow become a pro, somehow become respected enough that one of the teams would be willing to risk me putting me in the car. Um, and it was the one it's every every day i woke up in my life until this year or until the race the first one of the first thoughts that would come through my mind besides i need coffee is okay how do i get one step closer to lamar it truly was an obsession for me um and i was willing to sacrifice anything to to get to lamar i even would have half joking conversations if my fiance was having a baby on the same day that it was Lamar. <laughs> Holy shit. And it was my first Lamar. <laughs> Second Lamar, debatable. First Lamar, uh, we have a problem. <laughs> and um, I couldn't actually believe, I, cu- I couldn't believe that I was actually going to be in the race. Um, and there was a number of like hurdles to get there. The first thing was I got the call in middle of March to say, Dave, we want you to race with us in European Le Mans and Le Mans. So there was like a confirmation there, but I, I thought to myself, anything can change between now and at the time, June. And then it got changed to August, the race. So I'm like, okay, well that adds extra month and a half of risk of me catching COVID or something else that would see me not arrive at the race. 
then you have to do the, um, a full day in a like this big simulator, which made me incredibly car sick um, to run through the flag rules and the safety car stuff and the and the um, slow zones and so on. So you have to tick that box and get the virtual license first um, before they even invite you to the race. Uh, then when you get to the race itself, you have to complete 10 laps on the Sunday test. Uh, and if you don't complete those 10 laps, there's no way for you to do the race. So if your teammate drives the car first and he crashes on the Sunday official test mm -hmm. and you cannot repair the car, well, you're not racing. So and then I had to get over that hurdle as well. And finally, I got over those two things. And then there was still the case of, well, I'm not starting the race. So if the car crashes in the first hour or two, there's a possibility I won't actually be in the race. Mm. So all of these things I had to sort of check off in my mind as we went throughout the weekend until eventually the car did come in and I got to get in and go out on track and, and race around Lamar. Um, but already during the practice sessions, being on the racetrack with the prototypes um, and see, you know, standing in the pit lane at night, uh, preparing to go out for night practice, experiencing the track at night. It was everything I had imagined and way more. It was mm -hmm. not in any way, for me at least, a letdown. You know, there's a saying like, you don't want to meet your heroes because they'll let you down. You know? <laughs> but this was, this was like meeting Superman and him being actual Superman. It was just mm. phenomenal. And okay, you know, a lot of the drivers say, yes, but Dave, trust me, if you come back next year when there's more fans and so on, it will blow your mind even more. Yeah, fine. That That's cool. But I didn't go to experience the fans or anything. I wanted to be on a race on the Lamar track at night with Michelin confidentials on the car, trying to drive as fast as possible around such a unique racetrack. It's like nothing I've experienced. I've been lucky to experience some pretty legendary racetracks like Spa, Suzuka, um, Imola, Mugello, Monza, but none of them felt like Lamar. When you get onto the public roads, it's just so ridiculous that you're on <laughs> public roads. When you hit 300 kilometers an hour, 200 miles power for the first time in a slipstream, and then you got prototypes passing you left and right. That's something else. Um, trying to judge which cars are coming towards you during night practice because the rearview mirrors are terrible. The rearview camera doesn't work. You just got light. And you're like, well, is that a prototype or is it another GTE <laughs> car? Because I need to turn into this corner now. And if it's a prototype, uh, we're probably going to crash. <laughs> oh, well, I'm just going to turn in and see what happens. And then it is a prototype. You're like, oh, shit. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's just, I don't know. It's just, it's just the most insane feeling. And I, my, I was sleeping at the racetrack in a motorhome at the track that the team had organized for me. Um, so I woke up every morning at 8 a.m. in Lamar at the racetrack and then before anyone got there i would i would get a coffee and then walk around um sort of pit lane and behind the scenes and just try and take it all in and then see people arrive from the various teams and so on um because i was racing with af corsa af corsa also manages the factory ferrari team so in our hospitality you'd get visitors from all kinds of racing um you know, and current and previous racing drivers. I was sitting there and Sam Bird came and sat down because my table was free and he just started to chat to me and have a coffee. And then Antonio Felix de Costa comes in 
and starts having a chat to Sam Bird and you're sitting there going, this can't be real. And then next <laughs> thing, Alan Mitnish walks in and you're like, oh man, what the F is going on here? But that's, <laughs> you know, that's Lamar. And like, it was just such a cool experience. I mean, unfortunately our car did have a failure um, around midnight, um, but I didn't care. I, yeah. I mean, of course I wanted to drive again, but I got to race at Le Mans and it was a dream come true times a million. It was just phenomenal. Yeah, we, we were glad. I mean, I think we were one small part of a chorus of the sim racing community that, that, I, that reached out or supported you or tuned in to watch how you were doing. And just to see that you were having the opportunity, knowing that that was something that, that you've worked for this your entire racing career. Uh, it was something special to see as a as a spectator in North America watching on YouTube or well, no Motor Trend. We actually had it on Motor television. Trend, yeah. Um, yeah. But we were tuning in and and our our group of Into the Apex uh, Madsen Racing, which is our team, we were all messaging each other. How is Spirit of Race doing? How is David doing? Uh, so we <laughs> were, you, we guys. were certainly following that. And the the second question about real racing that I wanted to get your take on while we had time with you. You mentioned sure. the track Spa. Uh, you had a very, we actually referenced your, one of your tweets about it a few weeks ago or a month ago or whenever it was, uh, but your take on the, on adjusting a rouge, or I always say this wrong. Rob is our French Canadian who always corrects me. Uh, <laughs> Radion, if I say Radion. Yes. I say, uh, he, he called me out for saying Radion as a very <laughs> Southern, Southern American, uh, way of speaking, but, uh, Issues in those corners. You have raced Spa. You, uh, there was obvious, obviously a terrible accident in the Spa 24. Uh, what's your take on on making adjustments to that corner as somebody that's Oof. raced it? And... Yeah. Uh, okay. So first of all, especially in GTs, I think it's it's still an incredibly unique corner because it, in Formula cars, it's now easy flat. But in GTs, it's not easy flat. And when something is not easy flat, um it becomes really exciting because if it's borderline flat you're like oh can i go through your flat and if you don't you lose the lap time you know you lose time if it's easy flat well it's just a question of getting through the corner and, and everyone's doing it um every time you approach oruj if you exit la source the happen and you head down you're like please not this time please let me just get through there um now the corner itself if you took away the barriers and stuff, it's actually not that difficult. Once you figure out the line and everything, there's a lot of people in the world who've gone through there with maximum commitment. But the nature of the surroundings is something else. And you know that every time you go down into the dip, into Eau Rouge, before you come up towards Radion, it's completely blind. And you just hope every single time in a race like Spa 24 specifically, that there's not a car sideways at the top of the hill. Sometimes when you exit the source, you're, well, you're always looking up. So you exit the source, even though you're going down the hill, you're actually looking at the top of Eau Rouge to see if you can see anything, like any debris that may have been caused by a big accident that has just happened, or at least a yellow flag. And if there's a yellow flag, um, if you're sensible, because it's a long race, you, you do a big lift, you may even break and downshift just to be safe. So yeah, you may lose two seconds on that lap but you could also avoid a massive accident, which I have numerous times driven through chaos um, and survived. So the biggest issue with Eau Rouge, Radion, specifically I would say actually Radion, Eau Rouge is yeah. fine, yeah. is 
there's a barrier on the left. And when you hit that barrier, you bounce back into the racetrack. Now, the barriers on the right, um, where Antoine Hubert unfortunately died, they can't do much there because what you can't see on TV is after those barriers is actually like a drop, like a, a cliff um, down into a forest. So mm -hmm. unless they actually built more land there, they can't actually move those barriers. But on the left, where um, Aitken, what's his first name? Uh, oh, I can't. The guy in the Lamborghini, Josh. Jack Aitken. <laughs> Jack, no? was it Jack? Jack Aitken. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Um, Jack Aitken, he bounced back into the track from the left side. They can actually mm. cut away elements of the mountain there and open that up. Mm. Um, now, the problem that I think exists there is if I was going to change anything, I'd do two things. I'd actually reprofile the corner slightly where I would make their approach through Radion tighter. So as you go into the dip of Eau Rouge, which is the left hand, and you turn right, I'd make that right hand a tighter. I'd open up more space on the left by cutting away at the mountain um, and maybe even adding gravel there so that it no longer becomes easy flat. It should actually never be flat. In fact, if they did it with either a big lift or a tap of the brakes, it would still be a terrifying corner. But the consequences when you come up to the top and someone's lying square in the track, um, there'd be much more, a much higher possibility of everyone surviving and making it through. At the moment, we go through there foot down and we're passengers until we get up over the crest. So once you turn right through Eau Rouge, um, you're a passenger and you just hope that nothing's on the other side. But if you're not going through there fully committed, well, your competition is. So I think we maybe need to take away that element. It will still be an incredibly difficult and challenging corner. I mean, there used to be Armco barriers on both sides. Can you imagine? <laughs> so, oh, yeah. wow. You know, back then they, they weren't taking it flat and it was still a terrifying corner. So we could maybe go back to something like that. Um, make it tighter, make it even more challenging, but it will reduce the speeds enough so that when you do have an accident at the top of the hill, it's, it's not the monsters that we are experiencing at the moment. Because I'm surprised that we're still allowed to race at Spa, guys, because mm. 2018, I went up through Eau Rouge at night and I saw lights just disappear behind me. And I thought, well, that was weird. And when I came around the next time, the accident that I that had just taken place, which was just directly behind me, it was the two cars behind me, was monstrous. Um, one of the guys broke his back. He was in hospital mm. for a very long time to recover. Uh, I don't know how the other guy survived because one of the cars spun and was facing the oncoming traffic. And when that, when the next car came through, it just drove straight into the guy. So yeah. terrifying, you know, yeah. um, this year when Aitken crashed and then my a very good friend of mine, close friend of mine, David Rigon came up over the hill in his, in the Ferrari. He was the Ferrari that hits the Aitken car mm. miracle that Aitken wasn't badly hurt yeah. because it hit driver's side. Mm. The, I mean, how are we still racing there? I don't know. I'm grateful that we're still racing it because it's still a massive challenge. But these monstrous accidents have already claimed one life in the last two or three years. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't think we're far away from the next one because these, these accidents are just so huge. So yeah. changes have to be made. I, 
I wouldn't mind if they reprofiled it slightly, made it, excuse me, made it slightly tighter and um, put some gravel on the left side as well. Yeah, we, we read uh, some articles. I'm not sure. I'm not in, as in tune as uh, exactly what they're doing, but it looks like they're going to change something, which I yes. mean, I, I think that's the that was the consensus that as I tried to take the pulse on social media as we we love this track, but we we love our drivers. We can't have can't have anything happen again in this track. It's yeah. it's a, a, a cost balance, you know, cost benefit balance. But and as, uh, as drivers, we have no choice but to go push like crazy through there. I've yeah. sat next to the factory Ferrari engineers. And if car A is taking the corner flat and car B isn't, they're very quick to tell car B, hey, look, Pierre Guidi's taking it flat, buddy. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, so the the higher up you get um, in terms of competition and like the factory teams, they're pushing their drivers to take maximum risk to be as fast as possible to win the race. Da, da, da. And um, they have, you know, we, we have no choice but to... <laughs> <laughs> but to drive flat out through there at the moment. So yeah. you can't leave it up to the drivers to judge. You just can't. It has to come from um, track changes, officials doing the right thing. And th there has to be a, a technical solution to, to that corner. These, these accidents never used to happen, by the way. It's only recently mm. when they added tarmac runoffs on both sides. Because if we do have a moment, we just straight line radial. And yeah, yeah it's, it's a bit sketchy when you come up over it and you, you cut the corner, but it's it's actually not that big a deal. Um, and we, we can do that now because there's this tarmac runoff on the left. Um, so maybe if they reprofiled the curbs there or something, added some gravel, which every single racing driver I know is begging for gravel to come back. Mm. Um, maybe things would calm down a bit there. And on a brighter note, uh, I saw <laughs> that uh, European Le Mans series added one of your favorites, if not your favorite track, uh, Emola, to the schedule. Yes. Maybe. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait to try it. I mean, yeah. it's not confirmed that I'll be in the ELMS next year. It's looking right. good, but it's not confirmed. Um, and man, guys, Emola, I'm telling you, I mean, I'm sure what you feel in the sim when you drive yeah. around Imola, it's the same in real life. It's the same yeah. flowing satisfaction when you yes. clip the curbs and you get everything right, especially sector one. Um, it's just such a satisfying track to race on, uh, drive on. Racing, okay, it's not so easy. We all know that. Um, but <laughs> but driving around that racetrack is, is, is awesome. Yeah, I, I love it in the sim. I absolutely love it. It's, 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 it's my favorite track in sims and in real life. No there question. It's like twice as good as the next track. Okay. Besides Lamar, but I have a bias towards Lamar. <laughs> you can't, you can't um, take my word for it, you know, but Ebola is just phenomenal. I love that place. Outstanding. Well, we could, we could talk to you for hours and hours, I do believe. Your, your takes and insight are next to none, in my opinion. Uh, we're going to let you guys go because you're across the pond. It's quite late, uh, but I want everybody to check out uh, coachdaveacademy.com first and foremost because – uh, everybody that listens to us, you're most likely iRacing folks. And uh, as you heard me say, these setups, uh, my try with these setups, they're they're spot on. And uh, we're going to give this a go in the uh, Petit Le Mans iRacing. Very excited uh, to have the Coach Dave Academy decal on our Lamborghini. And uh, we'll be putting updates on social media and uh, see what we can do. We're not aliens by any means, but we're 
uh, we do okay uh, on Into the Apex as sim drivers. Uh, check out davidperel.net, thesimgrid.com, and on Twitter at David Perel, P-E-R-E-L, and at Josh. And I believe, Josh, it's three underscores and then Martin. Do I have that it right? It is indeed, yeah. There we go. Uh, so follow these guys. If you don't already know about them, I think you've just been blown away by the insights uh, in Sam and Real Racing. Uh, so glad that you guys could could join us here uh, at the end of the summer, towards the end of the season. This has been awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. And to your listeners, thank you. If you've listened this far, I really appreciate it. And if you have good or bad things to say about our setups, <laughs> please, that is what that's we want to always improve. Um, and we we don't want to have any egos around this stuff. We just want to try and make sim racing more enjoyable for for everyone who's listening. That's really our our goal. So thank you for having us. Thank you for listening in. And uh... absolutely, that's David Perel and Josh Martin. We'll be right back on Into the Apex. This episode of Into the Apex is brought to you by Roscoe Wheels. Roscoe Wheels is confidence-inspiring aluminum. This means confidence in quality and confidence in self. Confidence in quality, meaning they want their customers to know that their wheels are produced to the highest standard and tested to be as strong as anything on the market and are designed to keep you safe. Confidence in self, meaning they want their styles and fitments to make customers feel the way you did when you walked into high school with a brand new pair of shiny shoes giving you the confidence in yourself when you show up, whether it be to work or any event, knowing you look awesome. Roscoe Wheels offers free shipping within Canada and flat rate shipping in the USA. Find your new look today at roscoewheels.com. This episode of Into the Apex podcast is also brought to you in part by the racing fans at Great Hire Staffing. Whether you need help hiring one employee or 100, Great Hire can help. Hiring good people is hard work. Great Hire HR does it quickly and economically so you can focus on what's important, running your business. Check them out online at www.greathirehr.com. Finally, this episode is sponsored by Bad Weather Brewing Company out of St. Paul, Minnesota. With craft brews like the Immortal Toast Infused White Stout or the Red Vein Red IPA on tap or in the can, it's how endurance drivers like us celebrate post-race. Find your new favorite craft beer and order your mugs online at badweatherbrewery.com. Okay, we're back on Into the Apex, and Patrick Stein from Mad Sim Racing Media and our third chair, Rob Gregoire, joining us back in the studio, and uh, outstanding time with David Perel and Josh Martin. Uh, I, I literally could listen to David talk for hours. Uh, I, I absolutely the most insightful, articulate uh, individual in uh, sim racing, real motorsport, no matter what it is. Uh, he really paints the picture. That was outstanding, Bradley. Plus, we all know you just have a thing for European guys. <laughs> okay, Rob. That, that's <laughs> it. You could be bitter, Rob. You could well, be bitter. Yeah, just put it out there, you know. Go ahead and put a narrative out there. Put, go ahead and put a narrative out there if you want. That's fine. Uh, I'm bringing you guys in uh, because uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Rob. And uh, so, so first, let's start with sim racing. 
Uh, Rob, you're going to get up at three in the morning to do an endurance race. Then you're going to stay up late into the night to do another endurance race this weekend. Yeah, I'm all about it. What's gotten into you? I don't know. Just summer's starting to wind down here. Everyone's kids are gone back to school. So no one ever wants to do anything. So I'm just like, fuck this. I'm going racing. But you don't have kids. No, I don't. Exactly. So I don't think you do. All the people who had kids that were doing things during the summer meant that they had more free time in a lot of cases. But like now the kids are back to school and they're back to work. So you have partners. Well, people that go golfing with and shit. Oh, there you go. So you're not, but you're not golfing at three in the morning. No. So you're going to do, you're going to do the iRacing spa six hours. Yeah. I was kind of hoping you were going to join. I don't think I'm going to join you. Boo. That's a little early for me. What do you mean? You'd be doing the last stint. You'd be getting up at like eight o'clock your time. That's a little early for me. And as soon as you're done, you'd roll right into (laughs) F1 qualifying. Oh, but yeah, but I'm going to do Nürburgring uh, later in the night. Yeah. So am I. Exactly. So I only, I'm only going to get up early in your race and you got all day to recoup, but you'll be in race mode all day. Yeah. So you're doing both. So so something's gotten into you. I've noticed it these last few weeks. You're ready for endurance racing. You're really into it. I like it. I'm yeah. not criticizing. I'm all fired it. I up. I like it. I want you fired up. I want you ready to go. Yeah. You have Petite and then Daytona. I'll be here before you know it. And you're doing Petite with, with me, with the Coach Dave Academy uh, Lamborghini. Yes. So we're going to give that a go. How do you yeah. feel about that? How do you feel, feel about, about it? Oh, I feel fine about it. I just bought the Lamborghini for this race, and I'm really enjoying the Lamborghini. I don't like it as much as the others, man. I'm uh, really liking the Ferrari. The, the Lamborghini's becoming one it. of my least favorite, I find. That's interesting. I don't own the Ferrari. Back end just wants to snap out too much on it. Yeah. You said you would buy me the Ferrari if I didn't. If I bought it and didn't like it, you would pay for it. Yeah. Because I know you would like it. I might take that bet and just lie. <laughs> I wouldn't blame you. What difference does it make? What difference does it make? Ultimately, in the end, I'd still prove a point that you liked it. If you don't believe me, would you not pay for it? Or if I said it, would you pay for it out of honor? I'm a man of my word. So basically, you're going to buy me the Ferrari. Gotcha. Loud and clear. (laughs) Free Ferrari for Tyler. It's on record now. Sounds good to me. A River Deirci Fieri. I hate Ferrari. Ferrari sucks. I don't like it. The next thing you know, that's all he's going to race. (laughs) <laughs> i bet you if he raced it he'd like it mm-hmm. i am absolutely in sim racing guilty of the next best thing uh whatever that would be uh, you get a new piece of content yeah i like that i think i'll do that whatever's new it's for me i whatever's think we're all like that to a certain extent yeah yeah some people yeah, it's, it's, ways. yeah it's the iphone mentality the apple mentality of i don't anything. Get, i don't get into that on for practical reasons i don't buy the new well, yeah, you can't afford it, but it's it's right. that mentality of oh, what's the next? Yeah, thing? call me poor, Bradley. Fuck you, <laughs> you poor okay. piece of crap. <laughs> yeah, go yeah, sure. As soon as the next, you're always thinking about the next thing. Like, oh, this is cool. It's like you were on the the uh, BMW GT4 bandwagon, and now the McLaren's out, and you're all over that. I am all over the McLaren. Well, I'm still in the BMW. Good still you. enjoying the BMW. <laughs> Until the Aston Martin comes out, and then uh, we can only we can only hope the Aston Martin comes. So, Rob, I mean, Rob, I'm I'm glad to see that you're into it because I worry about people that I enjoy racing with on iRacing, uh, and this this would spread across sim racing, whether it's teams or whatever it might be. I worry about people that I love hanging out with losing interest or burning out. I think that's a legitimate thing that would happen to people. 
Oh, and for it, sure. It, and isn't it, doesn't it, it's just a, a shame to see people that you enjoy being around with on the sim fade away, disappear. And it's just like, ah, oh, it's a bummer. It's kind of oh, sad. It totally is. No, but you got to think about it. Like it's been a yeah. long year and a lot of people probably really went heavy on it for a long time when there wasn't yeah. a whole lot else to do. So it might've just became like, said, people might just kind of just overdone it for a long time. They'll be back. Yeah, I, well, hopefully not with Mad Sim Racing. We don't want the fellowship to end. Not oh, the not the, the core fellowship. Well, we've got some peripheral people that I really enjoyed. It they faded away. I have to be honest. What is peripheral? What are you calling like second class human beings? Well, I mean, people. Per- that, I know what that, you're talking about. People that I thought were really into it that yeah. that are not that I enjoyed. Yeah. There's totally people we had that were like staples that are right. right yeah. now. They're probably for various reasons, but. Whatever Rob, I, I get Rob, what Tyler's saying. Yeah, Rob. Yeah, yeah, I'm, what I'm saying, Rob, is I'm glad you you've fallen in love with it anew as the cold weather comes along. Yeah, because exactly. I would be lost without you. Is what I'm saying. It's gonna be a good winter. I can feel it. Yeah, don't don't quit me, Rob. Don't quit me. No, man, we're gonna be good. There you go. Good we man. Have many years quite, to come. Quite the bromance <laughs> brewing here, Patrick. Uh, do you need me to step out of the room here? Patrick, you, Patrick. you notice he doesn't reference you or me at all. We're, oh, that's we're fine. Totally that's fine. I'm fine being out of this conversation. We, we are absolutely. No, you got to be in the room, Patrick. Patrick, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> in literally the, sleep. In the, in the room. Patrick, we're gonna sleep in the same room in a few weeks. So hey 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 hey, Not why are you make... advertising our business, huh? I, I didn't say the same bed, Patrick. Calm down. I, I did. I say that. I no, said the same you're making room. assumptions. I was Pat- I was assuming that's what was going down. Uh, which, no, which, I made sure which of the two, two beds. <laughs> which two of the two beds? beds? Well, as long as my head is by his feet, it's not weird. Yeah, it is. Your genitals still line up. No, you're. If we only had one bed, <laughs> oh, you're sleeping no. in the tub. I paid oh, for that. No, room. <laughs> oh, no, Rob. Rob. Folks, this is the second. Yeah, that's okay. If anyone knows, you can go back and see. That's a Seinfeld quote. I did not <laughs> remember that. Yep. So. Uh, yes, Patrick will be at Indianapolis for the eight hours of Indy. That's the point of the story. I'll be and, making my grand appearance. <laughs> and, and and Patrick and I will be bunking. That's the story. Yes, we're, we're going to be bunking and nothing more than that. No, no. And, and we have a, a no crap policy in the room. Yeah. You, you go to the lobby for that. You yeah, don't do you that. Do not crap in the room. Come on. Yeah. You go to, you go to the lobby. So it's not the person you're bunking with's problem. What do you mean? Just turn a f- the turn the fan on, shut the door when you're done. No, that no, you you leave no margin for error. Oh, yeah, you don't want to risk it, man. When I make brown, it it, it comes with a real so sticky. When we're all staying together down in Daytona. You think I'm gonna fucking go to the neighbors or something to take a shit? Yes. <laughs> no, we're gonna bring Febreze with us, or we're gonna light a match, and you're gonna blow the you're fuck gonna, up. You're, you're gonna, gonna be go in to the, the swamp of Florida. There's gonna be an outhouse. Yeah, you're gonna go Let hang out with Brian Laundry. Oh, 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 oh. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, I can, we're just, I can just picture now Rob shitting on top of a gator's head. I could, yeah. I think we should stay in the swamp. We're gonna stay. We're gonna stay. Stay at uh, what is the lake, Bradley? Lake Okeechobee. I'm not sure. That's probably way south of where we need to be. <laughs> not sure. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I had a point. I, I don't know what it is. Bradley, save me. I don't know what your point was. Gone with than, the whiskey. I, well, you, no, I know what your point was. It's it's like uh, when you're young and in school. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, you have, yeah. You have yeah. some kids that you play with, and then the parents take the kid out of the school. Yeah, that's not at all what I was thinking, Bradley. <laughs> that's uh, way, 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 you way. Stop yeah, I thought we were on to shitting in outhouses. Oh, yeah. I, I thought we were going back to the original point that got us there. 
which, which is we, we, we enjoy the camaraderie of endurance sim racing. Yeah, we, that's we the don't, point. I'm and we don't want to lose our comrades. That is exactly where I was going with this, Bradley. Thank you so yeah. much. And we don't and, tolerate and defecators. sim racing, though, no. too, but just sim racing in general. Yeah, there's no time for scatological humor in sim racing. So let's move on. Well, you know what that. they say about entropy. All good things come to an end, right? Well, that's really depressing. <laughs> oh, great. Now, uh, now I need to go see a shrink. Thanks. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty rough. But for the meantime, let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy it, folks. Oh, my God. I'm in a dark place. <laughs> Boo, Bradley. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> Shame. It's, uh, it's the collective wind going out of everybody's sail. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, so so yeah, Rob. I'm I'm glad that you're into it. Okay, have some juice. Be juiced up. I like it. A little fire. I enjoy it. Uh, F1 is coming to iRacing. That's the next sim racing piece. Uh, so point blank, the uh, Delara IRO1 fictional open wheel car in iRacing is dead now. True or false? Agree? Disagree? It's going to be as dead as any other series. It's still probably going to have a series that's going to run, but an official series. But I'm also seeing, and I've seen some iRacing journalists on Twitter covering this with some gusto. Uh, the uh, the I is it what is it called IRX or something like that? It's the iRacing World Championship with the Delara IRO one. It's think the it's- Force Delara Championship. That's the like big broadcast one that they've been promoting. Yeah, they just had like the second round yesterday, the day before at Spa. Am I correct? Yep. So that's what I saw. So some, I mean, well-known iRacing journalists, people that follow and 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 you know write about iRacing and the big series like eNASCAR, uh, are covering this this particular series. Obviously, when this uh, the the Delara IRO one first came out iRacing promoted it as bringing back that open wheel world championship, you know, premier series pro sim racing series in iRacing, much like the PESIC uh, for road, which has been the, the primary road professional series. Um, so that was kind of, we knew that was the plan. And then here it is starting. It's like, what did you say, Rob? Two races in. I've honestly not been following it. Uh, but then you announced that McLaren, Merce- or not McLaren Mercedes, what am I in 2008? Uh, Mercedes F1 uh, has work, been working with iRacing to scan the F1 car that's currently in, in use, as well as the future car. Uh, we assume that they've maybe already done some work with the current uh, Mercedes car, so that might come out at any point, maybe at the end of this season. Uh, I, I just feel like uh, that's going to be everybody's attention. So maybe, maybe this Pro Series will be the only attention paid to the IRO1. I think it's, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think everyone's going to get a little too excited for this Mercedes car that's coming out. And I think we're all going to be, there's going to be some disappointment if it's done right, in my opinion. What do you mean by that? Why do you think that they're switching to more, like the cars that they're going to next year, aside from, like I said, obviously F1's having like all the, the turbo engines with, like I said, the energy harvesting and deploying the, the ERS and whatnot, the design wise philosophy wise the iro one is what they're going for with the 2022 cars bigger tires ground effects to make closer racing possible and you know you drive now in the indy car and you struggle that much with aero push 
Mm-hmm. Imagine trying to do that in an F1 car because that's what the current gen is notoriously bad for is creating tons of dirt, turbulent air. And yeah, you get great slip streams probably on straights because they're that fast, but trying to go through any corners behind, you can't follow in those cars at all. You lose like 40% of your downforce within three meters of another car. Why well, the IndyCar arrow pushes on ovals particularly. But imagine that going through corners on. That's I'm trying to, to tell you what to ex- what you should be yeah. expecting if it's done right. And like I say, if you watched that race at Spa with the IR01s yesterday, for the first however many laps or most of it, like they're nose to tail the whole way. You'd never be able to do that in a current F1 car. I did see a clip of them being very close. And obviously, uh, so we ran a uh, kind of simulated F1 league that's based on the 01. Uh, and, and basically, everybody wrecked before they had a chance to be super close. But I, I did notice that in this clip, the pros or the quote unquote pros, whatever you might call them, uh, were nose to tail and not wrecking. And that was, that was entertaining because those are fast, difficult cars to me. Um, and there, and, and this is the key where I do uh, follow your point, Rob, uh, they're non-technical. There's no, you know, energy, what is it, energy reduction system? ERS, curve? Energy, durable, you have the DRS and the ERS DRS. on a normal yeah, yeah, form yeah. of curve. But the ERS, when you're talking about like deploying the battery and harvesting yeah. energy and stuff. There's none of that technicality with the Delara. Uh, so it's a very simple car to drive. You don't have to have, you know, a significant amount of buttons mapped to your wheel to be able to be competitive. Um, that's where I struggled with just the LMP1 uh not having that extra knowledge so i will give it that uh but i think a lot of people will buy the mercedes when it comes out oh we're gonna buy it i'm just saying like <laughs> if they do it the way if they're really designed the way they are like said to real life as close as they can well it's gonna make close racing hard for a lot of people and i have a feeling that People will buy it, but it'll just go the way of the MP40 or whatever it is. Like, mm-hmm. how many people are really racing in the iRacing Grand Prix series? I mean, in iRacing overall, do you feel that open wheel racing is definitely not the primary? Oh, it's not at all. GT3 is the primary. Yeah. Because it gets the people that go back and forth between games like ACC, right? So it's definitely the dominant one right now. Also, just because I I think the forgiving nature of them, that they're not the fastest and all the little assists they got. Yeah, it's something we've talked about quite a bit. I mean, we we have, I think, on Into the Apex, we've had an ongoing funeral for the GT Le Mans GTE class. It's almost pitiful the ongoing eulogy that we've provided for the uh, GTE cars, because I I think we just want everything all the time. We don't want change. Uh, But as far as new content, GT threes, that's where it's going to be because obviously not only IMSA starting in months, quite honestly, we only have three races left to see the GT Le Mans, but obviously we know the European Le Mans series, the Le Mans in a few couple two to three years. Right. Um, that will change to match IMSA, basically. Uh, so, I mean, that's beating a dead horse, but uh, we keep eulogizing that that uh, particular car. Uh, I always, I, and honestly, in the sim, I that crosses my mind every single time that I try to decide in an IMSA or whatever race it is. I try to decide, well, what car, which manufacturer, which class am I going to enter? And part of my, I, I always think, I need to drive the GT Le Mans GTE while I still can. There's there's almost a sense of 
the clock is ticking. The time is running out with that car. Am I the only one that feels that way? Oh, I'm sad to see those cars go. The only reserver, I guess the only solace that I can take is that we'll still have them in iRacing. They'll be legacy. Yeah. I don't even know if they'll consider them legacy in that sense because there's not something that's going to replace them, right? They're just not Mm going to be in those series anymore. And they're going to make the official series likely match their real life counterparts. They'll just make official series that run them still. Because there's people like driving those cars still. Oh, well, yeah. They're not just going to disappear. And the Corvette, Corvette is still relatively new. I mean, they may formulate that into a GT3 v- version. They know, are next year, year, yeah. yeah. It's gonna, so, I, mean, I assume I, it's going to look the same. Do that. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I assume it's going to look the same, but be under be less powered, obviously. Because, yeah, the, the new Corvette is uh, it's a beauty in real life. I, I honestly don't drive it much in the sim, uh, but I really enjoy it uh, at the circuit. Yeah, well, I said, well, we'll just have to, like I said, see what happens. Like I said, we'll we'll still get to drive it, but it's just going to be sad that you're not going to see it in actual races. Yeah, that's, really that, cool. that's the worst part. Yeah, that's true. Uh, in real racing, moving from the sim to real racing, um, I mean, it's not like it was breaking news today. We all knew this was kind of coming, uh, but there was a promo video put out about it. Uh, Roman Grosjean to Andretti Autosport in the DHL car replacing Ryan Hunter Ray. Next year, they did the uh, press conference today in Long Beach, uh, and I I watched live. I don't know if you guys were able to catch it. The uh, Laguna Seca with Roman Grosjean. I mean, he put people on the edge of their seat again. Uh, I think IndyCar fans are really liking Roman. I I know I loved watching him in person at Indy. Oh, it's fantastic for the sport. Like, think about how many eyes overseas that wouldn't be watching Indy are watching it now. Yeah, and, and Yukos Hollinger, if I said that correctly, uh, full-time with Callum Ilot. I hope I said that correctly. It's really testing me. Uh, and he's what, the Alfa Romeo backup or test driver? I mean, that's yeah. another F1 personality coming over. Uh, yeah, it's it's well, certainly good for IndyCar. There's, I would have won. I would have told Albin... Valtteri, like I would have told most of those drivers, except for George, obviously going to a Merc. Yeah. Um, I would have told most of those drivers in F1 free agency just to go to IndyCar because they probably all would have gotten decent seats. Yeah, or even he, if you had to go with a subpar for one year, look at Roman now. Yeah. I mean, uh, somebody else needs to drive the Nurtec car, right? So put somebody else in that. I don't know. There's, like I said, it just depends what you're into. I don't know if it's just that they're not into it themselves, but look how much fun he seems to be having. Like there definitely seems to be some transferability. Like there's so much less technical in that sense. Like you're not making all the adjustments and managing batteries and stuff all the time. Like think about how much easier it is for Roman just to go in and race. And, and what a likable guy too. I mean, uh, he drove by us on his golf cart with his wife and kids, uh, Cody and I, when we were at Indy in August, and he was so happy. We put a video of that up on our Twitter. Uh, he was such a happy guy, and uh, I mean, it was just—it was just amazing to see. He's being humble. He's not any type of elitist. He just seems like a good guy. I think the wholesomeness of Roman people like uh, Bradley Patrick. I don't know if you guys are following IndyCar quite as much. I—I've said it before on this show. This year, I've just been really glued into IndyCar for some reason. I've really loved it. Uh, it's been really a lot of fun. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've obviously attended my attended my first IndyCar race, and I'm I'm trying to get on board. I just timing wise, I can't catch the races live, but I'm I'm following like the abbreviated version of what's happened. But yeah, I the, mean, the I, cliff notes. Yeah, pretty much. But I mean, I'm into a lot more than NASCAR. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm with it as much as I'm with IMSA and any other kind of road race. I mean, the oval stuff. I've I've almost turned completely into just road racing fan. That's all I've all I've been watching and devouring here lately. So, so like IMSA, you've been watching. Yeah, like IMSA, and then road indie stuff, and then overseas, uh, like European, British GT series, all the GT World America, uh, you know, areas, Asia. I think Australia has some. I've, anytime that's on live, I've got it on my YouTube. Or if that's on live across, you know, overseas, and it's in the time, usually it's early in the morning for me, and I'll just I'll put it on and watch it. I don't I don't know any of the competitors, but I enjoy watching the race. Well, Bradley, you know, one of them. I, I do. Oh. I, oh, I, well, I did before, but yeah. I, obviously, I, I know a little more about the uh, the Lamas series because, of course, we follow Michael Fassbender in that series, too. <laughs> I d- I Which re- we did not. We, we practiced a great deal of restraint not to ask questions about <laughs> something completely unrelated to anything that uh, that David was here to talk about. <laughs> Is our, our fascination with that Porsche series and <laughs> and uh, Michael Fassbender because Bradley uh, Michael Fassbender talk eh? <laughs> we didn't we didn't do it we didn't do it we did not do Brad, it. Bradley did not fangirl with David about Michael oh you've yeah, been about on the somebody track. else right well I mean well he actually brought up something where I thought about Fassbender and I don't I didn't want to dig much deeper into it <laughs> because I couldn't tell you know what his feeling was on it but I know how he mentioned uh, with Lamar he didn't because he didn't have the financials to to be basically get a paid seat, he had to become a pro driver and work his way up, I think, to, from a bronze to silver. And that's how he ended up getting a ride for Lamont. And that, that kind of made me think of of what the Fassbender path, which I, my understanding just from watching the show, is a lot of that is a paid seat. That would, I mean, I could be talking completely with no information here, but my, my understanding <laughs> is that's a paid seat, if I had to guess. Unless he's working his way up do the ratings as well. So yeah, I would assume. I mean, he's a gentleman driver, Michael Fassbender. Yeah. Do you guys I mean, hear that, that? What the the tightening of Tyler's pants over the microphone during that? <laughs> <laughs> about about what exactly? Bro? The f- anything Fassbender? Oh Jesus! The, the guy that during last year's uh, or during this year's what twelve Sebring twelve, he ran yeah. Fassbender's Porsche. I did paint and me, all. Me and two other people, mind you. Yeah, but it, anyway, that that. It, it's interesting to me because we've said, and you, Tyler, you said on on previous shows, it's having just now entered sort of the world of sports car racing, like IMSA and GT World America and ELMS, all that stuff. You're you're starting to learn how people get rides and, and become drivers, and it's not always the path that you would think it is. Like with uh, with David, the path of starting with karting and kind of working your way through the ladder. Sometimes it can just be that you're an enthusiast. And you just happen to have the financial backing. And there's, I mean, there's really no way to say, you know, that's all that's terrible because we've mentioned before teams sometimes need that to show up at the track. And that's, that's, I mean, if you can't show up at the track, what's the point of having, you know, that's, that's seats that you're still losing if you've worked your way some other way. Well, it's also, it's also classified correctly. So you, it's pro-am or whatever exactly. it might be. So, I mean, but, there's so, a place for everybody there. So who is, what is the best competitor? What's the best talent and, and driver or series of drivers in, in those classes? So it's still lined up fair and it's still a, a competition that we want to see. Uh, we want to see those cars. We want to see the drivers that right. have a personality or that we are attached to. 
much like we tune into Lamar pulling for David this year. Oh yeah. And that, I, I cast, yeah, I cast no aspersions on the methods you, you use to get a ride or to get a seed. I mean, I don't know me saying as someone that would never, never have a ride and never have a method to do it. Tell I yourself mean, short, hey, you hear right? the land stroll. You hear that? <laughs> <laughs> Nikita. I mean, I'm uh, Latifi, as pretty much any Canadian in motorsport. I mean, Formula One, not in motorsport. Right. Yeah. There yeah, you yeah came right. There you that go. came out wrong. Sure did. If you're a Canadian in Formula One, you are there with your money. Yeah. <laughs> Except for like Ron Fellows. Ron Fellows is a, isn't in Formula One, but I do take your point. Well, he's a Canadian <laughs> driver. He is. He's a famous Canadian driver. He's the famous Canadian driver, other than Gilles Veneuve. Am I right? Jacques Villeneuve. Jacques, yes, Formula Jacques. One world champion. Who, who is Gilles oh, okay. Villeneuve? Is that his wife? V- Gilles Villeneuve? His That's dad. His father. Oh, my oh. God. Do you not? Bradley, co- oh, my God. I don't know anything about, about Jacques Villeneuve. You don't have to know anything about him. You don't him. have to. Even just his dad, there's, there's, there's famous turns named after him. Like, there's, like there's a course. circuit named after him. Yeah. Bradley. Not a good Brad- look. <laughs> Bradley, uh, tell me I what you know, know about the history of that. Bradley, tell me what not, you know. I'm not aware of the history on that. Bradley, tell me what you know about Ayrton Senna. Oh, I know about, I, know, I mean, obviously I know who Senna is. Okay, tell me. I mean, I know he's, guy. Form, he's a Formula Brad- one, one driver from, correct me if I'm wrong, Brazil. Correct. And more. Tell me more. I mean, I, I know what happened at uh, Imola. What happened? I mean, he was killed in an accident there, and they I think they've made some changes to the track. I, I mean, it was know. a long time ago, obviously, but... What else do you know about him? I mean, he was a good good Formula One driver. And, and more. Champion, correct? What, what else do you know? That's that's pretty much it. Okay, sounds good. Moving on. <laughs> that's all I know, too, Bradley. I, I should have punched out early on. <laughs> 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 I thought there was a point somewhere to that, and you're like, all right, that's, knowledge that's check it. over. That's it. Now let's check. That's all that was. There was no other greater point. Uh, what else can we check, Bradley? On? I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm having fun with this. Uh, who's David Coulthard, Bradley? No, don't do this to him. Oh, come on. Come I'm on. doing this to him. I'm doing That's this an obscure him. one for a lot of people. Okay. Probably. I was about to say, I have no thanks, idea. Yeah, thanks for bailing me out, Rob. Rob, Rob, what's a fair question for Bradley? That's one more quiz. Okay, come on. What's a reasonable one? Like and for F one, but not Michael Schumacher for Christ's sake. Well, I mean, you know, I'm not going to know a whole lot about F one being. I know. I'm just trying to humiliate. Just newly into it. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to be able to answer. It's not. You know, what, the entertaining part is that I don't know the answer, but I'm. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know. But I would be. But the surprising twist is that you actually do know the answer. <laughs> well, ask me a question. I know an answer to. Well, that's too easy. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, move, moving on, moving on. <laughs> okay, Bradley, what do you what, what do you have, Bradley? What's on your mind? What's really grinding my gears this week? Well, I mean, what's even? I mean, why be so negative? What's making you really happy this week? I mean, I'm excited about what we've already talked about the the F1 car. I mean, I, I just want to get the opportunity. I understand it may not be that fun Sweet. if done right, but I just want the chance to do it, and I want the chance to to experience next year's. Uh, the current, the 2022 version of the F1 car, or of the Mercedes. Well, that's letting I racing off easily, Bradley. <laughs> that's so sweet of you. But I just want it. I mean, how how cool is it that they brought us that? Yeah, I mean, I mean you want it, and there it is. And you, a lot of people thought this would never happen. A modern I, F1 car to I racing. I agree. I think a lot of people for thought various that, reasons. Yeah, I thought. I think people, a lot of people, concluded that uh, Formula One teams would be very secretive 
Well, not only that, but you have that car in F1 licensed to its own game. So, I mean, it, you, yeah. you, I don't know. I don't know the, the details there, but you would just think it would be hard and, you know, to get yeah. that kind of information, that kind of data and right. get the rights to that kind of thing. It's, I assume it's going to be better than F1. Rob, do you have the F1 game? Game? What oh, yeah. You, oh, yeah. What, are you saying that like I said a bad word? No, I just, I could, for whatever reason, it didn't register for me. I was like, game? Okay. What do you mean, like on my phone? Like, uh, no, okay. I have, yeah, I've got every one since 2016, I think. Ooh. So is it any good compared to iRacing? Oh, it's not, it's good. nothing comparable. It's fun. It's absolutely fun. The AI race, like, race the AI, and it's really good for the average person. But, but, but what? It's not as good as iRacing? No. Definitely not. Okay, that's what I wanted to hear. Thank you. It's not a sim in that sense. It's it's more. It, 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 it definitely is more on the arcade side. Thank you. I don't have to spend money on it now. You've done oh, me. It's, you've it's done me a great it. service. Is it? Oh yeah, because then we could all race together. Still, I don't want to play a game with you, Rob. I want to sim with you, Rob. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You see where I'm coming from? Kinda, kinda not. Am I making you uncomfortable or something? No. I think you're making me and Bradley uncomfortable. I think you just need to broaden your horizons. I don't know if I want to do that. I'm not sure I'm up for that. Just scared you might like it. Well, yes. We are talking about Formula One racing, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What what are you talking about? F1 2021. (laughs) Yes, Bradley. Yes. But you can't play it on on a on a console. It has to be on PC, right? I don't want to play. No, you it play it. Console. You can play it on console. But why that, would you is do that? that? What, is that what you do? Why no. would you do that? I used yeah. to before. Who are well, you? Me. No. Who are you? What the fuck do you mean? Who you uses play, a console to race? You play. You used a joystick. I used to, like hey before I was into sim racing. I used to the only racing games I used to play were on my console. And you used a joystick. Yeah, because I just something I could sit back and play. Like you know I mean, like laying on the couch kind of thing, just like lazily. Like yeah, that's that sounds about I, right. You're like really for- painting the picture for me. There. <laughs> yeah. What was your lady friend you feeding doing. you? Was she feeding you grapes while you were laying on the couch lazily? <laughs> no, 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 no. You were laying on a shesh lounge. You Guys. didn't have a couch. Guys. You were on a shesh lounge with a slight breeze blowing through while you were in a silk. He was on a road. catamaran. Yeah, you were on a no. You were wearing a silk robe. I don't want to like, know. I don't want to know. Don't want to know. <laughs> as you as you lay on the couch playing Formula One 2020, 2019 before you met us and we broadened your horizon. Yeah, exactly. It was good. <laughs> it was good. It was comfortable. <laughs> yeah, nice and loose. Is that what it was? <laughs> Man, one of the guys that races in like the top leagues in uh, F one uses a controller. That is. It's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I get it, it. I mean, are his just, turns are his turns really sharp and jagged? And he's yeah, able to compete with fluid. the best people in Formula One game. Yeah, yeah. What a that's Louis that's, Welch. He has a name. Yeah, he has a name. No. You you know his name? Oh, I just heard like Yarno Otmir ref- refer to him multiple times in league races. Who? Yarno Otmir, the current F one defending F one esports world champion. Races for Mercedes. I don't know these names. 
Oh, well, I guess you're just a bit of a poser. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I use an actual wheel for an actual person. Oh, these guys I'll do too, which there's one guy who does. I don't know if he's in the eSports series, but he races in like the leagues. What with, is that about? What? Why would you want to do all this at the top level and not use a wheel? It's the way some people learned. I don't understand that. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Am I impressed or am I embarrassed for him? Oh, I'd be impressed. He races at a higher level than us. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Bradley did use a flight simulator joystick. I did, and I I won races with it. But that was only in NASCAR. I mean, I I could not imagine doing a road course. Oh no! And I had no pedals, so the gas and the the throttle was a uh, like a flap that you would move up and down. The throttle up for the plane and the throttle down for the plane and flight right. simulator that's i mean cool. imagine that i won a lot of races with that i mean yeah i can except I can that totally probably except that. that you didn't win a lot of races you won yes, one and that's because no no nobody, no that's because no. nobody showed up to the race bradley nobody you showed know what up you're talking race. about there i won uh i was there. quite a few races how many in the pigs racing i know i won one at las vegas at darlington and no. also at talladega false, false. i don't believe that False memories. You've, I, you've you've had those memories implanted uh, in some surreptitious way. I don't believe that. I think you won one race at, at Darlington in the morning because nobody showed up to the morning series. And it was Pigs Racing League, and it was called the Bacon Series because it was in the morning. That's hacky. That's hacky. I'm sorry. Rob, Rob is alien, or Tyler's alienating all of us at this point, except for Patrick. All of us? I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm just calling you out, my friend. How are you going to alienate Patrick? He's a saint. Yeah, Pat, Patrick. Well, why did you just bacon, call me a saint? Well, why does calling something bacon patronize Patrick? Alienate Patrick? What? Huh? What? How did That's... I get associated with bacon other than bacon tastes delicious? <laughs> what's Bradley trying to say? <laughs> what's Bradley trying to say here? I don't know what's going on right now. Are you trying to say I'm fat because I like bacon? Well, I am kind of large and in charge but i'm not bradley fat. bradley 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 can you recover from this just say the cat i'm, gonna assert, I'm going to assert uh my right to uh, remain silent per the fifth amendment <laughs> you got to plead the fifth i sure am i'm going to retain oh, counsel oh god <laughs> <laughs> so reference uh reference my attorney on that one <laughs> Where's your attorney going to say you're somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> too soon. Uh, too soon. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> Just checking the temperature, and it's there. We n- go. It's not very warm. Taking the pulse. Taking the pulse. That's right. Uh, so, rather than doing a formal F1 picks of the week, uh, let's do a real quick, like lightning round. Uh, Max Verstappen is uh, getting a penalty for an engine change. Uh, Rob, uh, Patrick, and Bradley, I really don't care about your F1 takes. I think you would agree. Uh, <laughs> uh, Rob, what's your F1 take? Uh, that the race, regardless of Max's penalty, is going to end up with the exact same result. That's bold. I think that's bold. No, it's not. He's going to... 
He's going to win. Overtake everybody. He's going to go with probably some crazy, super low downforce setup or something. Something that on that long straight just allows him to power past people. And he'll manage the car just based on pure skill. And regardless, he was probably never going to have a car that was going to match Mercedes at this track. And it'll be a ham verbot, but Max is going to be third regardless. So you, you think Max is podium. That's your call. Yep. I'll, I'll accept that. I'm not going to make any picks. I'm leaving it all to you, my friend. That's that's the only thing I can think of. I, mean, I don't really have any other hot takes. Yeah. Outside of that, it's I've, it's going to be a mixed up grid because you got Leclerc back there with him. They both took grid penalties for engine, so you're going to have two cars with a lot more pace. It's going to be a really mixed up grid, so it should be fairly interesting for that alone, I guess. I know Bradley theorized that Vladimir Putin will interfere with this race and make Nikita Mazepin win, uh, but I believe that is a fantasy. So we'll leave that at that. It's not Patrick, far fetched, though. It's not far fetched. Everyone, everyone's going to be on the grid. And a bunch of goons are going to come out and just start slashing tires. <laughs> yeah. a bunch, no, no, no. No, uranium radiation. I was about to say, you're going to get poisoned. Whatever that radiation is. Uh, the Novichok virus. <laughs> uh, uh, and then, Patrick, uh, I'll, close, I'll, I'll taper it down here with. Uh, NASCAR. I watched Bristol Motor Speedway with Kyle Larson, with uh, Kevin Harvick and Chase Elliott. I'll tell you what, Bristol Motor Speedway paved, no dirt. Get rid of the dirt. I was I was fired up watching the end of that race at Bristol. Oh, man. why did they ever do the dirt race to begin with? Do one pavement race during the day and one at night. That's it. Yeah. If I, it isn't I, broke, don't fix it. As some, I mean, yeah, it was it was so clunky with the dirt, uh, and they put it on for next year. They put it on. It's, it's a gonna, shit it's, show. It's going to be an absolute shit show. It, it's gimmicky to me. Uh, if I want to see a gimmick, I'll go watch the Coda race. <laughs> That's a uh, gimmick. Yeah, I mean, I I have been trying, and everybody, I say it for the fiftieth time on this show. I've been trying to get myself. R- locked into oval racing again uh i I really want to genuinely like it like i used to when i was younger and this race was something that got me to that point uh where i'm i'm putting the phone down i'm not looking at the phone i'm watching the race it's not in the background it's in the foreground that's what i want for for oval racing again and this bristol ending got me to that point this took us back to 10 15 years ago when we actually had characters on the track and we had high emotions and, you know, beating and banging. And, mm. you know, it wasn't like, oh, well, I'm going to tweet at somebody because, you know, they pissed me <laughs> off or, duh, 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 because I'm a pissed off millennial. <laughs> I could say that I'm a millennial. So, yeah. Yeah. A- but anyways, yeah. but it's not like, you know, how it was in the early 2000s. It's not like how it was in the 90s where, you know, you bump somebody out of the way to get the spot that you want, or you're going to block somebody like Chase Elliott did because he was pissed off. Um, it, I mean, just my hot take. I think he had all right to be pissed off at Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick looked like kind of a, a whiny little dick. And then when they had their little confrontation in the infield and Kevin Harvick's, I guess, business manager was there like rolling his eyes and all that kind of crap. I was just like mm. watching. I'm like, man, 
I'm excited. I like this, but well, also yeah. Kevin kept his helmet on. Yeah, you know NASCAR fans. If there's a if there's a scuffle yeah. or a fight, the 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 driver that leaves his helmet on during that and the one that doesn't. I mean, it's like a cage match at that point in Bristol. Yeah, but like when they went into the infield after that, and they were both talking like by the haulers and stuff, and then Kevin Harvick had his a business manager or whatever the hell that guy was. Yeah, and he was just rolling his eyes the whole time. I'm like, dude, let them fucking talk it out. Like, who the fuck are you? You weren't out there. Mm-hmm. And then they went to chase his hauler to get away from Jordan Bianchi from The Athletic, who was filming it. I, that was a big thing. I, I, I can kind of understand that, but I would have gotten into the hauler to get away from Kevin Harvick's business manager guy <laughs> because <laughs> he just looked like a fucking weirdo. Copy that. Patrick does not like this business manager. Patrick does not care for this guy. And quite frankly, after Bristol, I, I'm, I lost a lot of respect for Kevin Harvick. Yeah, he he was looking old, wasn't he? He was looking like an old well, damn. What a what a hit! I've got his autograph. I've got <laughs> I've got an autographed uh, Bush Series Championship car, his Coast Guard car. Yeah, so he, he just looked like a grumpy, grumpy <laughs> driver. Yeah, I mean he's got the experience over Chase, so he's you know I think he walks into it with that. Chase was pretty chill though. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the much, thing yeah. that it it takes him a lot to get riled up and if it took him that much and he, he if you heard on the radio they said that chase said uh he does this every effing week and he did this to me at darlington and i'm just sick and tired of this crap that's what chase said chase said that on the radio after the tire went down hmm. i mean you want drama in in oval racing you had it i thought it was great i i i got fired up over it we need more of it we need yes. keep it going. Get rid of that dirt gimmick crap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If I want a dirt race, I'll go watch Eldora. World of Outlaws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. I absolutely agree with you. And rant over. There we go. Uh, I think that's a good place to, to cap it off tonight. What a mega episode. What a mega episode. Thanks so much to David Perel, Josh Martin, uh, for spending an hour with us at the top of the show. Uh, check out CoachDaveAcademy.com. Uh, give this subscription a try for their setups. Uh, I'm a subscriber. Uh, we're going to be representing them in the Petit Lama I Racing event. And a uh, lot of racing this weekend. I'm pumped up for IMSA and IndyCar at Long Beach and uh, pumped up for uh, the F1 in Russia. Uh, so we'll see what happens this weekend with the road racing. And uh, two we- or three weeks' time, three weeks from the day, Patrick and I will be in Indianapolis along with Cody Richardson, who you know from the Indy Specials, and Jerry Isaacs, who you know from the Indy 500. And maybe maybe me. Maybe Bradley. Maybe Bradley. If and not, I'll be a VIR for Bradley, sure on the night. If not, correct. And uh, possibly a couple Porsche drivers that will be in the Indianapolis late hours joining us on the Saturday before. Uh, stay tuned. It's, it's going to be uh, an interesting october for into the apex uh, but what a show tonight we'll catch you next time next week on into the apex you've been listening to into the apex apex presented by mad sim racing follow and join the team at mad sim racing.com 